If you feel like your numbers are slow, your sales are slow, your revenue is not where you want it, you might have a perceived value problem. And it might be time to really raise those prices if your intention is to be one of the very high-end exclusive products. Welcome, everybody, to The Chris Harder Show, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success, knowing that when good people like you make good money, they can then do great things. My name is Chris Harder, and several times per week, I will bring you epic guests, solo episodes, and every single tool, trick, and skill set you need to grow your business, grow your money mindset, and to grow your wealth to levels that you have never reached before. I've ended up in a unique place in life where I've got the experience, the connections, and all of the secrets that it takes to be successful. And I'm lifting the curtain to reveal it all to you in an effort to help put you in a position of abundance so great that you can then be as generous as possible. So let's lock arms and let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Chris Harder Show. It's another Money Monday here where we absolutely believe that both generosity and prosperity can and must coexist. And today we're going to be talking about why pricing matters. Like when you price your products, I know a lot of times the the inclination is, boy, I I better price it a little bit lower so so more people want it. But we're going to make a case why you're probably hurting your sales. You're probably turning people away when you price your products too low. You see, my wife this morning, while we're having our coffee, you know, we both read or listen to podcasts. And she was reading an awesome book called Influence, The Psychology of Persuasion. And she said, Chris, 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 you got to listen to this this part. And it was a couple of stories. It was a couple of, of facts, a couple of anecdotes where people accidentally priced something too high and it boosted their sales. Or where people had things priced too low and sales slowed down compared to when they were priced higher. And one of the cool stories that she shared with me out of this book was there was a crystal shop in Arizona, actually right in our area here. And during peak tourism season, their sales were the opposite of what they expected. They were anemic. As a matter of fact, the owner of the, the crystal shop, you know, they had like turquoise and all these other things that you get at uh, shops like this in Arizona here. They had encouraged the, the team, the, the sales team to you know, sell more. And they tried to, to spiff them and they tried to, to give them bonuses for selling more. And they tried to incentivize them. And, and then they tried to put things on sale and nothing was working, even though it was peak tourism season. I mean, it was anemic. And so the owner was really frustrated and, and was leaving for a trip for a couple of weeks. And the night before the owner left, they scribbled a note in really sloppy handwriting for the store manager to come in and read the next day. And the note said this, in, picture the sloppiest handwriting possible. It said, mark everything in the display cases to price times one half, right? So it said price X one half, but it was chicken scratch, totally scribbled. And so when the manager came in the next day, the manager read it as mark everything by price times two. Because the one slash two for the one half was just such a mess that it looked like mark everything by price times two. And the manager thought, well, this is crazy, nothing selling, but it's what the boss wants. And marked every single thing in the display cases times two, doubled the price on it. 
Well, by the time that the owner returned to the store a couple of weeks later, every single item had sold out. Remember, sales were anemic prior to this. Every single item had sold out and not just sold out, but sold for twice the price because the manager thought it said, mark every single item times two. And so it was this great lesson that sometimes the perceived value of something absolutely matters. And if the value is perceived too low because you've bargained basement priced it, then the perception is, oh, it must not be good. It must not be quality. You got to remember, we're still dealing with a generation like our parents that grew up saying, always get the best, always get the, the piece of furniture that lasts forever, always build the home so it lasts forever. And a lot of that has still trickled down into our psychology that the perceived value of something being cheap is always going to break or not be worth the value. The perceived something, the value of something being expensive must mean it's more valuable. Now, we know that this is not always true, but we do have to consider perceived value when we're pricing our products. Think about it. How do we treat something like caviar? Whether you like caviar, whether you don't, one thing you can agree upon is it's really expensive, right? Two, three, four hundred dollars an ounce when you're getting it in a restaurant. And it's considered a delicacy. And so how do we treat caviar? Well, we slow down, we enjoy it, we talk about it, we use it for for special occasions maybe, but it's really just freaking fish eggs that happen to taste really great. If you like that sort of taste, I happen to love it. And if they were inexpensive fish eggs, right? If they were cheap fish eggs and you were able to get it for, you know, by the pound, we'd probably slap it on some some Ritz crackers, throw it on the countertop and, and people would down it by the pound. But that's not what we do. We slow down. We, we treat it special. We pay a few hundred dollars an ounce for it. So we think, boy, this must be so incredibly special. And it is. What it takes to get caviar is a bit of a process. But it's not a $400 an ounce process. It's the perceived value of it that makes us treat it as such. We do the same thing to wines or to champagnes, right? How do we, how do we treat fine wines? let's say a $1,000 bottle of wine or a $2,000 bottle of wine versus an everyday $15 or $20 bottle of wine. Are the bottles really that different? Because I've had both and mass, right? You can consider me the, the mass sampler of both types of wines. And I can tell you that they are different, yes. But they're not $2,000 different. No, it's, it tastes amazing. The the history that goes along with the bottle that's 30 or 40 years old is, is amazing. The conversation around it is amazing. And you spend more time treating it as if it's amazing. And it does sure as heck taste better than the, the average, you know, $10, $15, $20 bottle of wine. But it's not, again, $2,000 better. Or actually, we should use this as a percentage. It's not a hundred times better. That's the better way for me to say it. But we treat it as such because of the perceived value. It's the same thing with something like sipping Louis XIV. Why do people spend two to $400 an ounce to, to slowly smell and sip Louis XIV? Is it really that much better than another cognac? I can tell you it's better, but it's not 100 or 200 times better. It's that the perceived value makes it extra special. Lori and I do this all the time. And, and listen, it's not that I'm even proud of this. 
right? It's, it's kind of dumb, but we do this all the time. If we walk in somewhere, let's say we're furniture shopping, and we walk into a furniture store and everything's bargain priced. Even if it's great stuff, even if it's quality, we'll kind of walk in, look at the first few prices and say, oh, I don't think this is what we're looking for. And we'll turn around and we'll walk out. Now, there might've been awesome pieces in there for us, but we automatically judge it on the perceived value. Again, not saying it's good or bad. You can poke all sorts of holes in this. I'm just being transparent about how we operate. And so what do we do? We go to the next place that someone says, oh, you got to go here. It's the best of the best. You know, they're charging 10, 20 times more for the same kind of a couch or the same kind of tables. And yes, the quality is a little bit better, but again, it's not 10 or 20 times better. It's about the perceived value. And even though we know that we are doing this subconsciously, we still follow through with doing it. We let the pricing determine the likelihood that we're going to like something or not, that we're going to treat it special or not. And so what am I saying here? What am I getting at? Can all of us just jack up our prices? Can we just all make our prices 10 or 20 times more than they are right now or 100 times more than they are right now and all of a sudden it's going to sell better? No, of course not. Here's the catch. The quality must be there. The quality must be good. It can't be junk. If it's junk, you're going to double your prices or, or 10x your prices and someone's going to come in and they might even fall for it once. They might even buy your program or buy your widget but word's going to get out real quick that it's garbage. And then they're going to call you a ripoff. But if it's quality, and if you can build a good perceived value around it by pricing it in an elite fashion, and if you can make sure that it has a great story behind it and reputation behind it, then by all means, if you feel like your numbers are slow, your sales are slow, your revenue is not where you want it, you might have a perceived value problem. And it might be time to really raise those prices if your intention is to be one of the very high-end exclusive products. Like the way we treat our elite mastermind. Everything's first class, but it's a damn expensive investment. And every person every year says, holy crap, that was worth it. So can you just jack up your prices? Not necessarily. But can you jack up your prices if the perceived value is there and if the actual quality is there and if you want to position it as an elite product? Absolutely. That might be what you're missing right now. I share these examples with you because too many of you are afraid of pricing your products higher and you do the opposite. You price them lower or you don't value yourself enough. And so you, you say, people are going to only want this if I price it low enough where it's lower than everybody else's. And the problem is this. People don't value things when they're priced too low. Hell, we've seen it in action. Guys, if you've been following us a long time, you know that Lori and I do a lot of charitable things. And we have, we've been kind in the past and have gifted people in need, like spots in our Fast Foundations Mastermind. And we've gifted a lot of our courses that we've done. And we've, gift, we've gifted tickets to our events. And guess what we've seen? After these years of gifting, we have seen clearly that people do not value it. Even though they say they need it, they do not value it when it is free or significantly reduced. As a matter of fact, I hate to say this, I don't think I can name one person yet who's ever shown up big to an event, to a mastermind, to a course, and finished it all the way through. 
that we've given a free program or a free ticket to. I can't name one yet. I can't name, and it's kind of heartbreaking to be very honest with you because you think you're helping someone out. You think you get, you're giving them their break and, and you're not. Because the truth is this. If people don't have significant skin in the game, then they don't stay in the game. If people don't have significant skin in the game, they don't value it, no matter how valuable it is. So stop cannibalizing your sales. Stop hurting your revenue. Stop killing your profit margins because you're, you're trying to underprice everything so it's going to sell. When you do that, remember, you're ruining the perceived value. You might have to go the opposite direction with your prices. I hope this helps. I hope it helps you sell a lot more to your product. I hope it I hope it helps you service more people. I hope it boosts your profit margins. And if you guys want tips like this and support like this, and if you're going to make more than $500,000 in 2022, as I record this, we have two, maybe three, but I think it's just two spots left in our elite level mastermind. Now we have more than enough applications to fill those two spots, but I'm also trying to find the most magical, perfect fits for that room because my promise every year is this. My promise is that everything you need is in that room or one introduction away. And the only way I can achieve that is by having diversity, diversity in skill sets, in backgrounds, in where people are from, everything. And so don't rule yourself out. If you are going to make more than $500,000 for sure in 2022, then I want you to go to chrisharder.me forward slash mastermind. Heck, just go there and check out the new site. It's beautiful. chrisharder.me forward slash mastermind. All your questions are answered there. Fill out the app ASAP and we'll jump on Zoom if you qualify to see if you are perfect for one of those last bits. Go to chrisharder.me forward slash mastermind. Can't wait to see who grabs the last couple of spots to make up this year's 2022 mastermind family. And in the meantime, thanks for listening. You know that I love and appreciate you guys every single time. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, cheers to your success.